0: Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 35, how teenage angst and your relationship with your teen are changeable with Erica Bugby.
1: Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Changeable, a podcast about breaking habits, ending anxiety,
0: and the ironic way change really works. And now, here's your host, Dr. Amy Johnson. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changeable. In this episode, I talk with Erica Bugbee. Now, Erica works with teenagers who are going through all the stuff that teenagers go through. And she works with their parents who are going through all the stuff that parents of teenagers go through. And she does it from within this new paradigm. And what I love about our conversation, one of the things I love about our conversation is it is so simple and makes so much sense. And at the same time is so opposite of what we tend to do. So when your kid is going through something, caught up in something, acting out, looks depressed, whatever is going on, you want to do something, right? It's no different than when we're caught up in something ourselves. We want to do something. It's all about the action. It's all about what can I say, do, fix, manipulate? Who can I get this kid to talk to so that they change? You know, it's just our nature, and especially probably with our children when we're even more worried, when there's even more at stake. We as parents innocently want to step in and do stuff. And we're not at all saying don't do anything but looking at where we're coming from you know erica points parents back to hey what's going on in you maybe maybe look there before you start talking to your kid you know maybe see where your experience is coming from before we step in and that's just one piece of our conversation, which I love, but it's so counterintuitive. You know, we, we think the more worried we are, and again, not just in parenting, but in all aspects of life, the more worried we are, the more a big grand gesture is needed. But really the more worried we are, the more worried we are. Period. Done. The more worried we are, the more in our own heads we are. The less clearly we're seeing, the more caught up in our own stuff we are. And 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 action doesn't tend to be great from there. So I love how um, we talk about this. Erica shares some amazing stories about what she's seen with various teens and parents she's worked with. So much about just helping parents understand, you know, and come back to like what their kid's going through. Having that level of understanding and compassion that goes beneath our own personal little busy minds. So incredibly helpful. If you have a angsty teen or if you are an angsty teen, maybe you are, I think you're going to get so much out of this conversation. Hi, Erica. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm um, I'm excited to talk with you a little bit about your work with uh, teenagers who are going through a hard time, and it's probably not just teenagers, but young adults going through a hard time, and parents who are parenting teens who are often going through a hard time. I love just how you work with them from this new paradigm in a really different way. And I think it'd be really cool to just kind of explore some of the ways, like how we're used to sort of approaching that. If you have a teen that's in trouble, or if you feel like you don't have a great relationship with your teen, kind of how we might come at that just sort of naturally or instinctively and how we can maybe come at that a little bit better. So, yeah, so maybe just tell us a little bit about like the, the kind of people or situations that you often work with, like what's going on for them.
1: Yeah, great. So,
0: so I, um, I do a lot of work with teenagers that are
1: in the, you know, often in high school that are going through that kind of chaos, flux state of um, hormones and then the peer pressure. And then their friends are also, their chemistry is out of whack. So, they're unpredictable. So their social world is often just, they just get the rug pulled out from under them. People turn on them. Um, they're trying to manage academics. So, so I, I get a lot of, teens often, it just becomes too much for them to handle. And they're so raw and their emotions are so big that they end up uh, showing everything. They don't contain themselves like we do. There's really too much to contain. What I see a lot of is either they're, they're generally moody they can be sullen or annoyed. That's kind of the, you know, the high-functioning range. And then you get to the other end of things, and they can get really angry or hostile. They just don't care about anything. They kind of they don't care about people. They don't care about family. They just get you know, withdrawn or have a lot of social anxiety. So, so I see that kind of the full range. And sometimes I'm talking to the teenagers themselves, and sometimes it's the parents that I'm working with. 'Cause the kids have either given up or their relationship is so bad that the teens won't do anything that the parents recommend. So that's that's how that's how I spend a lot of my time.
0: Well, I love just right off the bat, I think this is so huge, how you talk about moody and sullen being kind of like the high functioning range <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and we're not being negative and saying, oh, all teenagers suck. And this is what they go through. But it's like, just the way that you say it, that's, you know, just typical. That's right. normal. It's okay. And then at the other end, it can be aggressive and combative and all of those things. And that's kind of normal too. Like that's okay too. There's such a, you know, just the way you talk about it, It's like, yeah, this is what they go through.
1: Yeah, it can be pretty disturbing. I I mean, I have teenagers myself. Um, I spend their friends are over here a lot. I was a complete nightmare of a teenager and while well, my sister was on the other end and very level. And it was it was disturbing for my parents and they're you know, they're in this line of work. Um, it was a little off putting because I changed so drastically. You know, they're they're just you don't recognize your kid anymore. And yeah. and I think, you know, parents themselves can kind of spin off in their own way, which I see a lot, where they can just get very unsettled and panicked or frustrated by what they see in their teenager, and then just get stuck in that oftentimes they get they'll get disappointed or kind of ashamed of their kid they don't want anybody to see how you know that their kid really is ungrateful or selfish it it just parents can kind of get stuck in their own way in something that's That's, you know, can be often just as bad for the household culture without realizing it. And, And that's one of the things that I kind of have to bring parents back a little bit and, and say, you know, there's two points that I make with parents that I think help a lot in that situation is one is that, you know, teenagers are not just small adults. They're not just fully formed people that are just littler They're kind of like, you know, like a tadpole, doesn't have all of its parts. And then at some point it, you know, grows legs, it can walk around. Teenagers are sort of, haven't quite browned on top and and aren't really finished. And I think what can happen is parents can see their teenagers and then feel like, well, this is the person that I've raised. They're going to be off in the world in a few years. And, And I think it just creates a feeling of, oh, I need to change them. And so they come at them in a way that can be Typically, what I see is parents can just get, without realizing, you can get very controlling, overbearing, kind of judgmental. They just start, you know, they essentially, where they get very uh, explosive themselves and, or intense. And when parents get intense, teenagers, well, anybody gets intense, we want no part of those people, even as adults. And so without realizing it, parents can kind of get freaked out and then come at them and the and the kids it makes the household worse. So one of the things that I'll do is help people understand this is, they're going through something. They're going through something biological. And it's normal. It takes a lot of forms. Once they start to hear that that's normal and even people that are nice, high-functioning people, were like that as teenagers. It helps people take a deep breath and realize, okay, they're just working things out. I worked with a... Um, a mom a few weeks ago, they're from a very kind of, um, it's a New York family, and they're in this community where everybody's going to Ivy League schools, it's just very competitive and kind of high, high achieving community. And the daughter started, 16, started kind of slacking off in school and just kind of letting her grades slip, and she was starting to get anxious, and she, was, she looked like she was going to give up, and started mentioning suicide, and the mom reached out to me, and I ended up, because the daughter... You know, couldn't deal with talking to somebody. I ended up working with the mom for a couple sessions. And you know, she essentially had just become very kind of nosy and intrusive and, you know, prying and trying to, you know bring up mention her homework, you know, essentially trying to micromanage her. and and the daughter just got withdrawn, more withdrawn and more kind of secretive. And what happened is the mom kind of realized, oh, I need to calm down myself. I'm freaking out. And once, the mom started to calm down. She got lighter. She got started giving her daughter more space. She started seeing kind of, okay, no, she's there's my daughter. She's, she's, she laughs with her friends. She's horrible at home, but when she's out, like that's the girl that I know. And, and started to feel just calming down a little bit and seeing, okay, she has her moments. And as soon as the mom calmed down, and gave her some space. And she got a little bit more thoughtful and showed an interest in TV show. They were binge watching the same TV show. The daughter calmed down and didn't end up needing any help. She just talked about, at one point confided in the mom and said, you know, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. And I'm freaked. I don't think I'm going to get into the schools that my friends are going to get into. And she realized, I don't even want to go to those schools. Like she just, the daughter really had a change of heart because the connection with the mom came back. And that was the mom did that. It was really, it was really neat to watch. And I think it shows it's a classic example of how much power the parents actually have. It doesn't look like they have any. And as a parent, you know, I can't imagine anything worse than feeling like you have no influence over this person you're responsible for. And I think that just is what happens when we get in a panic, is we don't, we get so shut down that it doesn't. We get under the illusion of having no influence and no control, and and things are just we just see one side of our kid, and I think parents calm down and they, they start to wake up to a side of the situation that's much more reassuring.
0: I mean, it's so um, it's so important, it seems, for parents then to just have some sense of of. How their teens work, and maybe how all humans work. But again, their teens are tadpoles, so there's some little bit different things going on there. But just even because what I'm hearing you say is like, like I talk about here all the time, and we've seen in so many different areas of life, when we can relax, things begin to write themselves in general. Like we will see things, we'll do things. Like there's a writing mechanism in there in in human beings, right? And we get so caught up in fear that we can't see things. So when you work with Parents and and who are understandably freaked out because their kid is talking about suicide and things. Um, yeah, like what are what are some of those key things that you would maybe sort of educate them around to help them relax?
1: Well, one of them is first of all, um, this is not permanent state there, and this is not how they're going to. You know, that's why I say they're not little adults. This is not how they're going to be only bigger. You know, just bigger and independent. This is kind of they'll develop. You know, their brains really have not developed yet and their chemistry is out of whack. So that so they're they will develop things like restraint and accountability. Their minds will calm down enough for them to think things through and learn from mistakes. So that's one thing that that I point out to people is we are not the people we were when we were in our teenage years. I mean, some people are, but most people are not. That's normal and totally fine. The other thing that I point out to people is that this is a funny point to make i came up with a few days ago you know you can't just you don't want to just love your kid you you want to like them you got to like your kid which sounds like a funny thing to have to point out to parents of teenagers but oftentimes parents get so fixated on what's wrong with them purely out of concern and innocence they want them to be interested in the things they feel like they should be interested in when in fact their teenagers are gonna be interested in things that might seem completely irrelevant, like Netflix above homework and video games above friends. And there's something that happens inside of parents when they fall into disappointment or concern. There's something that happens inside of people. And teenagers pick up on that. You know, usually when we're younger in her high school, there's usually, you know, a teacher or a staff, you know, a few people that that really liked us. I just had a few of them because I was kind of, I was obnoxious and kind of cynical as a teenager. But I do remember, you know, there was a few teachers, one in particular that liked me. I didn't even have him in my class. He just, he said hi to me. And well, that had an effect on me because I had the idea that I, I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know if I was coming out of it, but I looked like I was a terrible person and a mess and everybody else was a good person and together. And this guy seemed to Mr. Ball. He, the fact that he liked me kind of got my attention and I had very little contact with him and a few other teachers that were just didn't, you know, could see past my manner. They may, they may have to move me to the back of the room where I wouldn't talk so much, but they weren't mad at me. You know, they were still friendly and they genuinely liked me. And that's one of the things that I think parents can lose is their interest and their, fondness for their kid despite what a train wreck they might be and sometimes it takes a lot of effort on our part just like if you have to work with somebody on a project or you have an in-law you have to find a way to have a change of heart about them and that I feel like for parents is the most powerful thing they can do is to find a new feeling within themselves about their teenager even yeah. Especially if their teenager is is surly or withdrawn or ungrateful, you have to look for moments where okay, there's the kid that I know, and be able to to be able to look past some of their manners. Not that you don't address any of it or you know you still do your parenting, but separate from how you parent them, you have to love your kid and like them. And it, and sometimes we can get off track there without realizing it. I've been guilty of the same thing.
0: It's so interesting, I mean, it's such common sense the way that you say it. I remember when my um my son was like one and a half and he was just in a throwing some bad temper tantrums or something and i I was convinced at that time like i'm I think I'm raising a sociopath i mean and this is a one mm-hmm. and a half year old I, w- I I saw him at thirty and forty doing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just what that brought up in me, you know, and someone a wise person I was talking with at the time said, no, he doesn't want to be doing that it's just him expressing, it's it's the only way he knows to express himself and it has nothing to do with how he's going to be at 30 and 40. And to feel, to feel that open back up, right? Because you know, when we talk about not liking our kids, I think, well, tell me what you think. I mean, does that, that's often so much is just our own kind of fear and self-protection and like, that. you're horrified, right? <laughs> yeah. So to just have that melt away a little bit, again, by seeing, no, this isn't them. And I love how you say to kind of look for the, the kid that you know, like look for right. those moments.
1: Because it's interesting and, and life
0: is, this is the way that the nature of thought
1: and our the human experience is that you can see, you know, a certain landscape when you're freaked out and, and you're you're all, you've gone all over to the dark side and you're kind of doom and gloom about things And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe the next day you're in a different frame of mind, your thinking has changed and you look out and you see a completely different landscape. And and it's so interesting that, you know, you can do that about people. If you get, you know, at, at odds with somebody you're close to, they will look like a villain to you. And then 24 hours later, they look like, you know, the person that you've known all your life. And and it's, you're the only thing that's changed. The arguments still happen. They still said what they said. And that's often, I had that experience actually with one of my kids who was just a terror, a complete terror at like four. He'd been kicked out of three preschools. And I was consistent. I did everything right by the, well, mostly, Uh, you know, the little part that I didn't, of course, I bashed myself about, (laughs) felt terrible about. Um, But once I kind of, you know i was i was at a party and one of my parents friends said oh i started talking to me about how he was in school and in kindergarten and he was talking about how the kinds the kinds of things that he did and pretty much all through high school and i thought oh okay so they do level out i don't know what he's going to look like but you know once you start making it up and then tracking those features in them it's it looks like it's the only landscape that's there and that's your feeling talking it's not actually coming from the kid that you're seeing and looking at it's coming from what you're looking for what you're thinking is pulling out that's that's your despair talking once people kind of wake up to that a little bit and look at their kid with fresh eyes they'll see oh i know people that were like that oh, i was like this and now i'm not like that anymore you know they start to once you get interested in a different landscape it gives you hope. And that kind of openness helps you see a bunch of the picture that you have been missing. Yeah.
0: And do you talk to parents often about kind of just noticing where they're feeling level is. So like you said, you know, they get serious and scared and then they tend to start meddling and doing all these things. I mean, so much, even in the liking piece, you know, to kind of, cause I just think that's something that the average person walking around on the street, like when we don't like someone, we just instantly think, well, they're Absolutely. not like, even when they're own children, that's just where it just yeah. looks, right? Yeah, so yeah. To see like, wow, we like these people, we don't like these people, but it's more fluid than that. And it's showing us something about how the landscape that we're seeing that it is about that. Yeah, I
1: think it's interesting that it's it's hard to see, even though this is literally everywhere in every human being, we miss it. So if we get in a fight with a friend or we have a, let's say we have a, I don't know, like a situation at work that looks unmanageable looks like you don't have any, there's no solution to it. You can't, there's, you're kind of, you're stuck. You know, as soon as people get a little bit of space and calm down a little bit, or they sleep on it, they see answers that they didn't see before. And it's interesting how, you know, as I work with a lot of, I do a lot of executive coaching. I see very high functioning business leaders that get this about leadership and they'll deliberately look past, like if they have somebody that works for them, they feel obligated not to have a bad attitude about them. And they know that that has to do with them. So even if the person is a, you know, is a difficult person, they'll say, look, I gotta find, you know I gotta genuinely, I can't go in with an attitude. That's, I'm, not, I'm getting paid to not do that. And they will feel that's a function of themselves, the way that they, their perception of that person, whether they look like a good person or a bad person. And once people can settle down, the appearance of the person changes. So we don't even have to do anything. It just, that's part of our package of being human is that your mind will reset when you calm down and it gives you a much nicer outlook. But you're right. It's, it's on the parents the way that it's on a business leader to, to be able to stop looking at how despicable they are and look at, well, I'm no picnic myself. I'm shredding this person inside my mind. (laughs) Like people will just can't wait to complain about their kids sometimes of like, usually it's a panic but all they wanted they don't want to go outside it's this beautiful day in the northwest and he's been inside for two days playing video games or you know they just don't have any regard for anybody else you know they'll take a whole bag of chips upstairs and they leave it in their room and it gets stale and nobody else gets to eat they're just kind of horrified and i think i do have to point that out to parents like just look inside you never mind your kid just look inside yourself for a minute and tell me what you see (laughs) Yeah. and it's sometimes parents will they'll catch themselves while the words are coming out of their mouths while mid-tactic they'll realize oh this is not a good time for me to talk to my kid or they'll be complaining about their kid to somebody and realize what am I doing I'm just bashing my kid so I can be right I don't know they kind of it's just really common I do it too we lose we lose track of ourselves and where we're coming from and that's kind of what's steering the ship so I'm yeah. constantly having to bring parents back there.
0: It seems so much easier to to lose sight of that at times too, when it's the people that you love the most in your life. You know, parents, children. It's like we're so intertwined with them in our own heads. Because when you were saying that, it's like you know, he takes the chips upstairs and no one else can eat them. Like if if our one of our friends said that about their child, you and I wouldn't sit here and be like, oh yeah, that kid's gonna have that trouble like when they're older. Yeah. <laughs> Right, we'd be like, yeah, well. <laughs> but but it's like when it's our kid, all this extra stuff comes yeah. in. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't really and it's it's funny, it's sneaky because it looks valid to be horrified when your kid yeah. is so unfit for life and you know T minus 2 years away from, you know, launching. Um it's it looks very valid and and if you look if you're oriented towards your negativity about them, you'll see a hundred unsavory features about your kids. So it it doesn't look like there's anything more to the picture. That's the trick of the mind. That's that's why we have to spend the time in these podcasts and in our meetings with clients to lay out, let me talk, let me talk to you about how thought works and how it colors your experience yeah. of life and how real it can look like they're wall-to-wall bad features. There's no good features about my kid, and it really the source of that view of them is in your own mind. And if you don't take a step back and let your mind neutralize a little bit and take a fresh look at them, you'll never ca- you don't catch it. And that's yeah. that's one of the things that it's, it's reassuring to parents because a lot of a lot of things that we try to address in our kids you know, it might work with the first one, it doesn't work with the second one, or you've tried it to get them to, you know, do contribute around the house or to, to, you know, to thank people. You know, you've tried 10 different ways and nothing's working there. You have to keep going back to the drawing board and, and come at it a bunch of different ways, the way that you would at your job. And I think people, you know, they forget, oh, it's on me to go back and see what else makes sense because this isn't working, maybe they get more punitive. Maybe they let that one go. If you don't call yourself out on where you're coming from, you're gonna get lost really fast as a parent. And once you do start calling yourself out, seeing your role in it, it starts to get much more simple.
0: So what do you tell parents who, who hear some of this and start to get it and really kind of feel like, oh, that makes a lot of sense? And then they want to go in and say, okay, now when I go home, I'm going to go tell my kid everything that you said and tell them that their experience, you know, it's like it's like that leap. There's a way where we can just kind of hear this and say, oh, like you're saying right now, okay, this is kind of on me. Let me stay here in my perception versus that natural inclination, especially probably for parents and kids to be like, oh, well, I'm going to teach them what Erica said. And they're going yeah,
1: Yeah. Because a lot of parents will see, oh my God, when I get agitated, I'm like the worst parent. My parenting strategies are bad. My communication is bad. My ideas are bad. And when I can take a step back and calm, I get my composure again and my, you know, find my grace again. um, I just have better ideas and I, I, you know, my conversations go better. They're dying to go tell their kids that because they feel like, well, my daughter, like yesterday, the mom was concerned because her daughter um, got in kind of a tangle with this girl at school and posted a really bad picture of her and it started it waged a war and she wanted to tell her daughter well you know you you know when you get feeling retaliatory or hostile you you got to like take a step back before you act so she, so she ran home and told her daughter that and her daughter was like mom are you done can i get back to what i was doing she was fortunately polite but the daughter had absolutely zero interest and so that night she was putting her to bed She said, well, I just think that would help you. And she said, I know, mom, I'm trying to deal with my own problems. I love that you're trying to help me, but, you know, with all due respect, you don't really understand what I'm going through over here, but it seems like it helped you. Why don't you use that for yourself? (laughs) It was kind of, you know, in a nice way. I think there's a lot of things that we learn that we just need to take for ourselves and our kids. They'll figure it out just like we did. And it might not be until, you know, their moment where they're freaked out about their teenager that they learn it, but that's how life is. We kind of, you know, all our jurisdiction is what happens inside of us and where we're coming from when we look out at life. And that's either that our state of mind that we're in either empowers or disempowers what we're doing. It's really hard to lose sight. It's really easy to lose sight of that. And so we kind of have our hands full just finding our way through that ourselves. That we have to give our kids their space and figure, you know what, they're they're not all that interested in what I have to say. You know, my words of wisdom don't generally my kids will humor me, but there's not a lot of things that they're really paying attention to because they have to figure things out for themselves.
0: You know, your best shot of having saying something that lands is like you're saying, going to be when we are just paying attention to what's going on within us, staying in our own place, right? Yeah, it's interesting how fast you can lose that because I will know,
1: okay, if my daughter comes home from a guitar and leaves her guitar and her book and her shoes and her sweatshirt all on the floor exactly where she stopped um, and goes upstairs, if I go into her room in that moment when I'm annoyed, there's going to be a fight. Whereas I know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let this go until I can see a window where it's a good time to talk about this. And when I know how I want to handle it. And I did, I waited and a few days later, and it looked like she got away with it to my husband. He's like, you're just going to let her do that. I said, I got a plan. (laughs) So, um, and, and I did a few days later, I talked to her <laughs> in a way that, you know, she was old enough to understand, you know, right at her level of maturity about, honey, if we just, everybody did that, I would go crazy. And if you do that, when you go off to college, your roommates are going to go crazy. So so I just had a really different conversation that actually landed. And I think it's funny how easy it is to just fly off the handle and feel like, well, if I don't do something now, then they're just going to get the message that they can do whatever they want. And I, I just, I think it's interesting. Like I, you know, when you put food away after dinner and, and you try to get, my goal is always to try to get the, the leftovers in the smallest possible Tupperware container. And I'm constantly like yeah. overestimating how much it'll hold. And so I end up having to wash the smaller ones because I really just need a bigger one. And you know, you do want space in your fridge. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many, I just generally try for the smaller one. And because you know, I don't want to waste food, I end up just taking it all out and putting another one in. And I, I think I do that 80% of the time. And I don't make the adjustment in my mind. And that's what happens for parents. Because we don't, we kind of, we forget, okay, yeah, I just went off on my kid when I was agitated and she's you know distracted and rushed and overwhelmed. And it turned into a big fight and no parenting came out of it. Like things are actually worse than they were before she came home. And now she's leaving things out, out of spite and principle. And that just remembering that you have more to do with those situations than you realize where you're coming from is more important really than where they're coming from. Because that's your jurisdiction. It's really the only thing you can control. And there's a huge amount of variability in our skills and strategy and our communication. That... So, we're like a powerhouse when our minds are more settled and have more clarity and are calmed down. And we're just as bad as our teenagers when we get agitated or freaked out.
0: So, to kind of leave people with some hope, I mean, these relationships, I just imagine parents of teens all over that are thinking, like, this has just been bad for a long time. And I don't know what to do with this. You've, um, say a little about just what you've seen of how this can turn around. I mean, and just starting again, not, we're not coming at it with some giant strategy, but like you're sharing, it's like a, a moment to moment kind of feeling into what makes sense and looking for the feedback and more of that approach, how that can kind of turn a relationship around.
1: Well, yeah, often how it works out is that parents kind of will come back to their household after their conversations here and will have a new level of visibility where, first of all, the conversations tend to calm people way down. They start to realize, okay, my kid is, what they're doing is typical and normal, and those people tend to come out to be, you know, high-functioning adults. But it calms them down too in the sense that panic or fear, it just doesn't, the human mind does not operate well in fear. So what happens for people is once they've calmed down a little bit, they see evidence of that themselves. And even if it's only one out of 20 things that they notice in their kid, or one out of 20 moments where they don't just fly off the handle, they kind of try to get their composure before you know, getting back in the game, you know, they sit out on the bench, maybe one out of every 20 times that week between the next time I talk to them, they see that there's possibilities in there that they hadn't realized, that their kid listens to them more, When they have something to say and they're thoughtful about how they deliver it and when they deliver it, they see if they're just looking for, instead of the 10 times your kid is a, or the 20 times your kid is a mess that week, you're looking for the times where they're, you know, they are themselves and they seem like maybe they're going to be okay. And because it does seem like that, it seems like they're not going to be okay. And then 24 hours later, it looks like, oh, they're going to be fine. And they both look true. So it's, it's very reassuring for parents to hear that just the panic is not necessarily accurate. It tends to be that the worse we feel, the less accuracy our perceptions are in our perceptions of life, not just about our teenagers, but about everything. And that, that can be reassuring to parents, even when they're in the thick of it and freaking out. Is they'll say, you know, I don't know what things will look like tomorrow. I'm pretty sure they're going to look exactly as bad as this, but I'm not, I'm not sure. And that, people start catching on to that, there's a mechanism going on in there that's predictable. And that in and of itself calms people down so that they don't, even before their minds calm down and get their composure back, they know things can't be as bad as they appear. Because my mind is in there um, creating a lot more drama, reading into things and living essentially in a worst case scenario. It can be your whole life as a parent. And once people catch on to the feeling that goes with that, which is always of you know, angst and concern. And people start to see, oh, when I get in that state, I just, I don't, I don't know that I can trust my read on things and my evaluation. That really helps parents. And to know that, you know, there's an ebb and a flow in just like in your teenagers, there's an ebb and a flow in you. So your mind will be a complete disaster and completely unfunction- non-functioning as a parent. And then you'll pull it together and you'll be able to get back in the game. And it's reassuring to people, you don't have to pull yourself back up if you just let your mind settle a little bit. Your composure as a human being, it always comes back. It always goes down and it always comes back.
0: Yeah, I love that because everything that you just said is exactly what every guest in every episode of this podcast and every conversation that we have with anyone around anything is basically kind of pointing to, right? It's like we kind of relax and then we see things and we relax. So someone with a habit, they think, wow, I have this diagnosis and this is who I am. And then you ease off of that. And it's maybe one out of 20 times that week, but they have a feeling or a thought and they don't jump on it. And it's like the space grows. And I love that we're talking about this with parenting because, you know, as as you know, like we we all have these blind spots. And I think, oh my gosh, I mean, parenting, especially a teenager who's going through a hard time, what a huge blind spot, a place where we're just not going to see this simple mechanism that you're pointing to. So I love, yeah, I love that you were here and that we could have this conversation. And I know parents who have a sense of this new paradigm, but maybe like that's the exception in their mind is their kid. You know, This is going to be so helpful to hear it.
1: Right. Yeah. And your kids will, you know, sometimes your kids teach you, you know, you learn more as a parent. I did far more than any other part of your life because it's so, it can be so disorienting to find your way back, but you kind of get the hang about this. You get the hang of what you're talking about in these podcasts and work that we do about, if you can do that about your teenagers when they're doing badly, you can handle pretty much anything after that. It's hard. It's about as hard
0: as it gets, at least in my experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Erica. It's great talking with you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice.
0: Thank you for listening to Changeable. If you're enjoying this podcast, please let me know. Subscribe to the podcast so you get each new episode as soon as it's ready. And please consider leaving a review so that others who need change can find their way here. Thank you for listening.